What sleeping NFC East receiver is about to make his presence known? Is one rookie signal caller already set to give you big numbers in 2023? And how concerning is another rookie's knee situation as far as his ADP goes in current fantasy pros and FFPC drafts? Plus, 10-time FFPC league champion Jared Eisenlor is going to join us to talk about Alan Lazard in New York, Jameer Gibbs in Detroit, and more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. Stick around. Your high stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the high stakes fantasy football hour presented by myffpc.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the Thank you, Rob, and greetings and salutations to all you Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. I'll bring in my co-host, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott, shortly. Uh, coming up on tonight's show, Michael Thomas's ADP, too high, too low, or as Goldilocks would say, just right. Uh, the true stud in the Washington Commanders backfield, we're going to tell you who that is, or Maybe there's multiple studs there uh, that could be league winners. We'll bet, uh, get into that. And 10-time FFPC league champion Jared Eisenlor will drop by to discuss Quentin Johnston's prospects in 2023. Jamison Williams, when is the right time to be looking for him in your FFPC and Fantasy Pros drafts? And much more. Now, if you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFHour. At Eric Balkman, always learn more about Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at kffsc.com. You can post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash hsffr. You can also email the show at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, now is the time to send them. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, all the tweets, and all the emails in the fantasy feedback segment coming on later in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce, and of course, our producer and mutual friend, Rob. Ladies and gentlemen, you can win $1 million in the Fantasy Pros Championship at just a $350 entry fee at myffpc.com. This is the inaugural Fantasy Pros Championship. Never offered a $1 million at a $350 price point before until now. If you register by June 1st, which is another 12 days, uh, 13 days, uh, and draft by June 15th, you're going to be able to get a free $35 FFPC league credit. If you do that up to three times, you'll get up to three credits as well. Register uh, at myffpc.com for that. The Dynasty startups are going strong. We get a ton of them popping off tomorrow and Sunday, and a couple that are just this close to being filled uh, so we can get those drafts going off this weekend as well. That's at myffpc.com. You can play at the $100 level all the way up to the $5,000 level. As a reminder, the FFPC, we've been doing dynasty fantasy football for darn near a decade. We have well over 1,300 leagues, yet not a single league has ever folded in the FFPC's history. Register for your dynasty startups at myffpc.com. 
Also, time's running out if you want to get in on that early bird uh, promotion with the 2023 FFPC main event. If you register by May 31st, 12 days to go on that, a little bit less than 12 days, given that we're going on the air at 10 o'clock tonight. Um, you can uh, register for that and uh, get $100 off your first team. You'll get uh, $300 off each additional team, as well as register or getting you registered for that FFPC Pros versus Joe's drawing, which will happen in the first week of June sometime. Uh, after everybody has, uh, you know, taken advantage of that early bird promo, we're going to pick some names out of a hat, essentially, virtually, or digitally, I guess, as it were. Um, and there's going to be 42 Joes taking on 42 industry pros. If you've been following uh, Darren Armani's Twitter feed over the last couple of weeks, you can see who a lot of the pros are uh, that are going to be participating in this. And each of those 12 team leagues, there's going to be seven of them. Whoever wins each one will get a free FFPC main event in 2024 and can compete for a $1 million grand prize. So make sure you are registering for the FFPC main event so you can get in that drawing. That's at myffpc.com. FFPC best ball tournament and the Superflex best ball tournament are off and running. $125 entry fee will get you in the running for a $200,000 grand prize in the best ball tournament. Just $35 will get you in the running for a $50,000 grand prize in the Superflex Best Ball Tournament. Those you can both register for at myffpc.com if you'd rather play in a closed 12-team league. Totally up to you, and that's cool. Myffpc.com is your home for that. If you got five bucks, you got an Abe Lincoln on you, we have a fantasy football draft for you. That's at myffpc.com. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment on this airing tonight. Of course, share it and get notified on all future broadcasts so you never miss any time the FFPC uh, YouTube channel goes live. We do every Thursday night. We do every Friday night. And obviously, um, as the as we get deeper into the summer, we're going to have a lot more best ball coverage, uh, live draft coverage. Uh, we've already done some of that so far this year with Genesis and Revelations. Obviously, Aiden uh, LaCorey and Dave Terpoli did a uh, FFPC best ball tournament live coverage. We're going to get some Fantasy Pros live uh, draft coverages as well as maybe a main event or two. Uh, that is all coming up uh it, this uh, this summer on the FFPC YouTube channel, which you're watching right now, youtube.com slash FFPC Fantasy. Let's bring him in right now. He's waited long enough, ladies and gentlemen. You uh, check out his Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at kffsc.com. The definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Mr. Farrell Elliott. Farrell, welcome in, man. Hey, Bonky, thank you. I'm coming in via my Android phone tonight as... Uh... Some connectivity issues with my laptop. Bonky, I think you do such a wonderful job introducing the league uh, every night, and you do it fresh, and you do it off the cuff, and you talk about our beloved Dave Turp, and now Aiden Jay joining him. Hey, Carol uh, was just giving me a great. Oh no, we froze up. Where'd you go? Oh, goodness, Balky. But you look good frozen, Balky. You got the beard. You got the hat. And, you you know, if you were going to be frozen in time, this is how I would want you to be, you know, to, to have this expression on your face. And but it it what happened? I don't you know. I'm hitting stuff and and I don't know if you're there or not. It's just it's just one of those kind of days for me. Hey, you're back. That might have been. That might. I think that was me. I think that was me. My fault. I I, I apologize. Well, I, for I that. kept talking and entertaining the folks. I was telling them, you know, that if you were not alive, a lovable person that you are, and if you were actually a fossil, we would want to discover you in this frozen state because you had a beautiful expression on your face and your beard looked great, 
And I mean, it was really, really good. Now, since we're getting off on a, a convoluted start anyway, um, you know, since I am engaged with the microphone and the camera on my cellular device, I don't have access to my uh, email stream. And so I kind of know what I want to talk about our uh, to our guest about tonight, but I don't remember questions two and four. I have John Stone, and I wanted to ask him about Schultz, um, but I don't remember what uh, number two and number four were. Can you, uh, can yeah. you refresh yeah. my memory? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're going to be talking with, uh, with Jared Eisenlor coming up in about uh, seven minutes or so. Carol, you're going to ask him about uh, whether FFPC players are going a little too hard after Garrett Wilson and not going hard enough. Uh, yeah, that's after that's Alan Wilson. Lazard. Yeah, and, Wilson uh, and Lazard. Yep. Yeah. And then the other one is um, we're going to talk about um, whether Quentin Johnston should be a guy that we look at. In oh, the I, I've got Johnston. So what's question six? Oh, six is uh, Dalton Schultz, which I think you already referenced. Well, what is question eight? Then? Eight I'm missing is. One. Uh, how many quarterbacks would you draft before Joe Burrow this season? Oh, well, God, you know, that that's a crazy question to begin with. Okay. All right. So, you, you, you know, let's go ahead and let's go ahead. And you got anything you want to talk about with me? Yes, I do. Uh, we're going to bring up a, a few things here at the top of the show. And and this is something I was very excited about because last year I picked up Samanje P. Ryan in a lot of my dynasty leagues, Farrell. I've kept him on a lot of my dynasty leagues and I'm getting just more and more positive stuff about him uh, and the role he's going to have for the Broncos, at least early on in the season. Nick Cosmiter, uh, Cosmiter, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. My apologies to the Cosmiter family. Uh, he <laughs> covers the Broncos for the athletics, uh, for the athletic, I beg your pardon. He says that P. Ryan's going to have a significant role in the offense. Now, Javante Williams had that uh, significant knee, uh, that significant knee damage last fall that he is still recovering from. P. Okay. Ryan, had 782 yards on just under 200 touches in his rookie year with the foreskins, as you call them. Um, no. But this is going to be his biggest backfield workload since then, according to Cosmider. Uh, quote, he should be a fixture in Denver's offense, regardless of Javante Williams' health. That's interesting. And if we look at his new head coach, Sean Payton, he has had a history of spi uh, slicing up that backfield amongst you know two, three, sometimes four guys. During Payton's 15 seasons, as the head coach of the Saints, the team's second leading rusher had more than 95 carries in 11 out of those 15 years. Quote from Peyton, we signed P. Ryan because we knew he was durable and reliable. We felt like we got another solid runner who's built in a strong way. There are a lot of things he does well. When we signed him, there was still uncertainty with Javante Williams. So now the thing that, that we have to talk about here, Farrell, is how significant is Samanje P. Ryan going to be this season? I'm of the opinion that when you look at um, Javante Williams and how serious that knee injury was, I think we're hearing, you know, sort of the right things about Williams. I'm of the opinion that this guy is not going to be ready at the start of the mm. season. I don't know if he's going to be right all season long. And I think P. Ryan, at worst, is going to work into a, a 1B in this backfield. Now, maybe this is rosy on my part. I, I'm looking at through my, my, my orange and blue colored glasses with Samaje P. Ryan this season. But the dude is running back 31 going in the early ninth round of the FFPC best ball tournament. I think that's too low. I think he is a player in this backfield. And I'm very excited to draft him at that spot. 
Okay, and I can get aboard with that, no matter what Williams' health is. Let's talk about Williams first real quick. Um, here's a player that we're going to need to look at in the preseason. That's what Williams is probably doing. He's probably saying, you know, my knee's feeling good. I feel like I'm making progress. I want to get in a game. I want to really feel it in a game. And then, you know, I want to feel it in a league game. And what? And then he'll get confidence. It'll build confidence as soon as he gets hit a few times. And as soon as he carries the ball and, and makes those terrific cutbacks that he's good at, uh, he'll be back. And uh, But there's plenty of carries in his backfield. And we've always liked P. Ryan. We, we liked him mm -hmm. when he was in Cincinnati. We think he was not used right in Cincinnati. I believe you and I agreed to that in previous shows. And neither did he because he's left a team – that uh, many people could argue is Super Bowl bound. He left the team that he's been with for, is it maybe four years now? Uh, the guy is relatively young, 27 years old, and he's a seven-year veteran in the league. Um, but his his contract offers two years, $7.5 were similar from each club. So he, he mm -hmm. obviously feels that he has a role. He's followed the money and the opportunity, and the money was the same, so the opportunity is what he's looking for. And I think he's going to have an opportunity. And, Balky, you didn't talk about catching the ball uh, on a team that loves to throw the ball in Cincinnati and has plenty of pass catchers that they can rely on. They also relied on P. Ryan, 38 catches last year, four receiving touchdowns. I think in the red zone, he will take the uh, he will take some of the pressure off all the Broncos in the red zone, and I think he gives a very big-bodied, uh, hard-running target uh, in the passing game. I think he'll block big, physical, strong. This is this guy's durable and reliable. That's what the coach said. I like his. I like his M.O. and Balky. He has the second best beard in football after you. So, um, you know, I, I think it's I think, you know, I think you should draft him. You two are a match made in heaven, actually. Yeah. And, I, I and like Balky, if, you, if you could pull up the depth chart of this team, because I can't because I don't have my laptop working. If you could just – they signed a number of backs. I, I think an XFL refugee, Jaquez Patrick, signed with them this past week. They've signed a number of backs to fill this big role. This is the best one, but they want that role filled. And, you know, we all know there's only one Tyreek McAllister in that backfield. Uh, you know, he's he's got the uh, the catch-and-goal role and the cutback role. So – there's some big backs in it. It's just, yeah, let's go Denver. They got a good defense. Maybe they can get something going offensively. They also have in that uh, backfield, they signed Tony Jones from Seattle, obviously, in, yeah. that, in that backfield. You mentioned Jacquez Patrick, a guy after my own heart. Go Knowles, Florida State. Uh, Tyler Batty, Tyler Beatty, a guy we talked a lot about last year with Baltimore. He's with Denver now. Damari Crockett. Um, and Jaleel McLaughlin are both mm -hmm. on this team. And, of course, the aforementioned legendary. Tyreek McAllister, who is sure to make waves this year. We love Tyreek McAllister. All right. Michael Gallup, shifting conferences and positions, says he's, quote, very confident he can return to the player he was prior to tearing that ACL uh, in about a, uh, 18, probably about 16 months or so ago. Uh, this is according to Pro Football Talk on NBCSports.com. Now, he did only miss three games last season, but 39 catches for 424 yards and four touchdowns on a career low 10.9 yards per reception. Woof. Now, Gallup did say that last year 
His knee did feel sore at times, but he feels springy again. He's 27 years old. He had an 1,100-yard season in 2019 and had 840 yards in 2020. Mike McCarthy has said that Michael Gallup is going to be featured more, um, but CeeDee Lamb is there. Obviously, Brandon Cooks is there as well. And McCarthy wants to institute an offense that is probably going to give his defense a little bit more of a chance to rest. Uh, that was part of the reason that Kellen Moore moved on from Dallas to Los Angeles. That could limit uh, Gallup's upside as well. But, Farrell, as we look at the FFPC best ball ADP, shout out to Farron, uh, Darren Armani, fantasymojo.com, at fantasymojo on Twitter. This is where we get all our FFPC ADP that we quote on the show. Michael Gallup in that format. Wide receiver 71 at the 1606. He's basically free right now. I like that uh, taking a guy like Gallup in the 16th round because not only could he have a big season, but he looks like a spike week type guy, which is what you want as you're trying to win a six figure grand prize. Are we going? Are we talking this this player for best ball? Yes. Are we talking uh, best ball for best ball? Is if you're stacking Cowboys, I can live with it. The problem with the best ball for this player. Um, and, and these spike weeks, uh, he's got to play two games against the Eagles, the secondary. And, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's the best secondary in the game. Uh, he gets the commanders twice that took a first round uh, defensive back out of Mississippi State, and they played well uh, in the secondary last year. Now, you know, okay, so when he plays the Giants, you can expect a big game. I, I just. It, it, there's things I would like to do differently in best ball at this point in time after I've been able to evaluate some of the rookie receivers who could be playing better at the end of the year during the bye weeks now that I know their landing spots. And um, there's good landing spots. You don't have to get the name guys that are going around uh, 8, 9, and 10. You, you can do a little – there's some guys we can get to – in these rounds too. So I think Gallup's best ball is behind him, but if people want to keep taking him in the 16th round, you can't argue with it. Ball. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it's a, uh, it's one of those guys, like, especially as you said, Farrell, if you have, you know, CD lamb and you already have Dak Prescott Gallup makes for a nice little stacking opportunity there. And it should be pretty cheap as well. I wanted to talk a little bit. We'll get to Jordan Addison. We'll get to um, uh, Anthony Richardson, a couple of rookies that we've talked about already on the show. Um, but I, before we get to that, I do want to bring on tonight's guest who has been feasting in our uh, green room right now, ladies and gentlemen. I'll bring him on yeah. right now. He's been attending FFPC. Or excuse me. He's been attending um, draft, live drafts out in Vegas uh, for more than a half decade. Usually has between five and seven FFPC main event teams every year, and usually another 10 to 12 at the fantasy pros level as well. For a period this past year, he was actually in the top 10 of the championship round of the FFPC main event. He did end up placing three main events, including a championship in one of them. He also recently won the NFFC playoff challenge. Nice chunk of change there, $75,000, which means his career winnings well into six figures. Lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and is a Detroit Lions season ticket holder, lifelong fantasy football enthusiast, and lifelong NFL enthusiast. Um, I'm going to get into that in, in a little bit. I want to welcome him on right now, ladies and gentlemen. If you're not following him, make sure you're following him on Twitter at Jared E22. Please welcome in 10 time FFPC league champion, Jared Eisenlord. Jared, welcome in. Did I get your last name pronunciation right? You've been doing good, man. You've been doing good. Good. Excellent. Did you wear that Packers hat on purpose for me? Okay. No, here's the thing. So I was going to tell Farrell about this. 
Uh, Jared, I live in Northeast Wisconsin, and yep. I have I've I've um, I've been a Packers fan, you know, pretty much my whole life. Now, my kid, my nine-year-old son, had a class trip today, and part of the class trip was taking a tour of Lambeau Field. I've been yep. up to Lambeau Field a zillion times, never actually taken the tour of it. And then after, so I was like, okay, well, I'll go up there for that. And then afterwards, I went to the pro shop and, uh, uh, you know, to like my kid wanted something. So, and then I was just looking around, like, man, this is an, this is a Mitchell and Ness hat and it was on sale. I'm like, I, I'll be stupid not to get it. So if I wouldn't have just bought it today, <laughs> I would not be wearing it tonight, but that, that's why I'm showing it off tonight. So but good. listen, man, I, I'm excited for the lions this year. I think it's a great story. It's a, it's a great coach. It's a great coaching staff. And obviously that talent there is not only exciting for an NFL, uh, um, standpoint from, but very exciting from a fantasy football standpoint. Yeah. Can you tell us before we get into the interview tonight? Yeah. You are heavily invested into watching uh, NFL football and drafting <laughs> fantasy yes. football. Can you tell us a little bit about so, sort of the, I, I guess, written agreement that you have with your, with your uh, <laughs> yeah. lovely and intelligent wife? Yeah. Well, listen, I, I think like many people in football season, it leads to uh, demands on our time. And uh, I love my family to death, but when football comes around, it's uh, uh, it's difficult to balance everything. And so to avoid the, the weekly fights about when and where I'm watching football or if I'm traveling to an away game or going to Detroit for the game, uh, we sit down actually pretty soon, shortly after the schedule comes out, and we kind of map right. out the year. And we say, which away games am I going to go to? I usually bring her to one in October for her birthday. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, that way, when the football season comes, we're not arguing every week. We know where I'm going to be and who gets the tickets and where we're going and what days I'm going to be gone. And so it just makes for a little little smoother uh, smoother season once we get to it. So we've been doing it now for three, four years, and we have a lot of fun with it. We, we post it to, to social media and let family look at it. Everybody gets a good, <laughs> good, good kick out of it. Yeah. Um, you certainly have football life balance in working order. What <laughs> well beyond what I have, I should, I should probably adopt something ah. like this. I my wife as well. So, yeah. uh, she'll be watching this. She might be watching it right now for all I know. Jared, when you are not winning uh, all these FFPC leagues, can you tell us what you're doing for a living in Grand Rapids? Yeah. Yeah. Well, right now I'm, I'm struggling through fantasy baseball. Um, just trying to, oh, get, no. uh, trying to scratch the itch a little bit. It's n- never been latched on like football has, but, uh, I work in tech. So I run, I run sales for a conversational AI and automation company. Uh, so when I'm not working or, or on the road, uh, just enjoying time with my wife, my kids, I've got a six and a three-year-old, I trying to play as much golf as I can mm. spend time out on the water. And then these days uh, we're picking up a lot on the slow drafts with, with FFPC. And so me and a group of guys that I go to Vegas with, uh, every year for the live drafts, we've got the group text going and we're getting into the slow drafts and starting to have fun with it. And from here, it's really kind of a slow build until full on draft season and football season. Good for you. Yeah. Fer- Farrell, do you have a question? Oh, we, lose Farrell. we got, we got Farrell back. I'm sorry. Or maybe we don't, I will ask this question, Jared. Uh, <laughs> sure. Well, while we try to get Farrell back here. Um, I, I want to get into the, the whole um, Aaron Rodgers, New York Jets thing. Um, when we look at the, and I'm going to reference this for the FFPC uh, best ball tournament. Right now, Garrett Wilson is going off the board. It was wide receiver 10 uh, at the 204, right? Now, you would think that Alan Lazard is going to be the number two wide receiver in that offense, yet he's going 
wide receiver 51 at the 11-10. He's basically going nine rounds after Garrett Wilson. No quarrel for me that Wilson's the better receiver. But are people maybe being too aggressive in drafting Wilson and not being aggressive enough in drafting Alan Lazard? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for sure, like having Lazard there is going to take away from Wilson. I think, like you said, Wilson is younger, certainly a far more talented wide receiver. Uh, he'll finish the, the season leading the Jets in just about every statistical category as long as he stays healthy. And uh, he's, he's that good. But you are paying what I think is, a, is an unnecessary premium. When you look at Alan Lazard, he's got the obvious chemistry with Rodgers from their time in Green Bay. He's familiar with the system. So within Nathaniel, Nathaniel Hackett's offense, and I can see him getting off to a really fast start because of that. Well, Garrett Wilson sort of gets his, gets his feet under him. They also paid him a lot of money to go there. I think it was, was at 11 million a year or something yeah. like that. So if the Jets offense is as good as people expect, there's going to be plenty to go around. And I would, I would much rather get the value in the say 11th and 12th round with Lazard. I think you get a higher weekly floor as well. Um, then, then reaching, I don't want to say reaching, but paying that premium for, for Garrett Wilson at, at 17, 18, where he's been typically going from what I've seen. I think, um, you know, Lazard's an interesting guy too, because we don't, we, we know like, do we lose you blocking? Give you a minute. Jared, I apologize. We're both having massive internet issues tonight. I don't know. Oh, what good. I didn't know if I just no, no, no. on my own. I, you're, I, no, you're good. You're good. Let me ask you this. We <laughs> talked about the Jets. Let's talk about yeah. the Green Bay Packers. Christian yeah. Watson is going as wide receiver 23 in the FFPC best ball tournament right now. 508. So basically the middle of the fifth round. Is he going to live up to that ADP this year knowing that Aaron Rodgers is in New York and Jordan Love is going to be his quarterback? Short answer is is no, I, I don't think so. Um, now, full transparency, I have Christian Watson in a few of my best ball leagues so far. I think the highest I took him, however, was was 5'11". Uh, I think he's crept down to like the 5'8", five, 5'7", five, range now. Um, he started slow last year. Uh, he picked up steam as the season went on. I think he had four straight games with a touchdown. But nothing before that and nothing after that. <laughs> so his, his production was really in a, in a four-game stretch. Uh, I do like him better in a best ball than I would mm -hmm. in a season long. Uh, a couple of things scare me, though, I guess a little bit about Watson. One is the obvious question marks at quarterback. We don't really know what Jordan Love is yet. Uh, there's not a lot of other proven weapons in the passing game to take attention away from him. And I see Green Bay, and maybe, and maybe you can weigh in on this too, at least from your perspective of being a Packers fan, that I see Green Bay putting Love in very comfortable positions early on with the two running backs and not asking him to do, to do a whole lot. I mean, he has a lot of weight on his shoulders. The Packers have gone from Favre to Rodgers to now we don't know what Jordan Love is. And so I, I think they're going to protect him a little bit. Um, now, for those reasons, I do like him. I'm just, I don't know if I'm comfortable with him at 5'8", as he's going right now. Mm -hmm. 
And I was also, I was reading something the other day. I think it was from the football guys. They talked about the jump from that sophomore wide receivers can make from year one to year two. And since 2014, rookie wide receivers who have had a minimum of 20 targets on average, the, on their sophomore season, they get 22% more targets, 30% more receptions, 45% more yards and 48% more fantasy points. Wow. So that would apply obviously to Christian Watson. Uh, it would apply to Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Drake London, uh, Jahan Dotson, George Pickens, and a couple of the other ones as well. Um, so I think that does bode well for him. I, I just, I don't know if I'm, I'm ready to jump on him early to mid fifth round. I think late fifth round is where I would be, be more comfortable starting there. Christian Watson going ahead of Jerry Judy, Terry McLaurin, Christian Kirk, Mike Williams, and Michael Pittman right now going right behind DeAndre Hopkins and DJ Moore. Um, I want to talk about, speaking of Mike Williams, I want to talk about um, a player that we've discussed on this show um, over the last couple of weeks from a dynasty perspective. I want to talk about Quentin Johnston tonight from a redraft perspective, like the FFPC best ball tournament, for example. Yep. He is going, I think at the 1004 is is his uh, ADP over the last seven days there. How often have you been taking Quentin Johnston knowing that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are still going to be in that wide receiver room this year? Uh, every time. <laughs> every time, uh, as much as I can. Uh, I think the last draft I did, I was able to get him at 10-2 uh, out of the 11th out of the 11th spot uh and i was ecstatic I, I i especially like him in dynasty leagues this year um as the future of keenan allen like we don't really know and i think with mike williams and keenan allen they, they cannot really stay healthy and yeah. by default i think he's likely going to be the number two wide receiver in most games for the chargers and the chargers throw the ball 65 percent of the time which is second most in the league they have a very capable quarterback throwing him the ball um so for those reasons like i think I don't look at Quentin Johnston as a number three because I'm sort of counting on Mike Williams or Keenan Allen uh, to stumble or, or have these nagging injuries that have plagued them for the last couple of years. And him playing most games is the number two in a very good offense. Quentin Johnston right behind Brandon Cooks and Cortland Sutton in the FFPC best ball tournament. Uh, he's right ahead of Rashad Bateman and Michael Thomas and Zay Flowers. Let's uh, speaking of Cortland Sutton. Um, I've 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 heard and read so many people steaming up Marvin Mims ever since the Broncos selected him in the NFL draft a, a few weeks back. Um, I, I'm wondering if if this is creating a and maybe it's not, but I'm I'm wondering your perspective. Is there a buying opportunity on Cortland Sutton now because uh, Quentin Johnson? Or uh, beg your pardon, because Marvin Mims is is getting people so excited um, from from a fantasy drafting standpoint. But what about Cortland Sutton? Because now he's plummeting. Is now the, mm -hmm. the right time to be striking hot on Cortland Sutton? And I'll bring this up right now before I have you answer that, uh, Jared. Cortland Sutton is uh, has an ADP of uh, wide receiver forty three at the nine oh seven. Yeah, I, I, Mims is Mims is intriguing. I think mostly because I mean he can flat out fly. Like he's fast. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not really getting on that uh, that train myself. Um, he's fast. He's going to have a role, the Tyreek, Deshaun Jackson type. And I, and I may be in the minority, but I, I'm expecting a, a fairly significant turnaround from the Broncos. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, barring a trade, I can see Sutton playing a very key role as a possession receiver, particularly valuable in PPRs uh, for Sean Payton. Uh, he's had success, Sean Payton with these types of wide receivers from the time in New Orleans. So Sutton's 6'4", 220, 
Michael Thomas, you know, pre-injury, 6'3", 220. Marquise Colston, 6'4", 220. Those guys both fared fairly well in this offense. And so I actually have Sutton in a, in a deep dynasty league I've been in for a long time that has 53-man IDP rosters. And I've had a few offers for him this offseason. I'm just not really willing to let him go. Mm-hmm. So in redraft leagues, I'm loving value on him in the 10th round. It sounds like he's going a little bit before that now. Yeah. Um, but in a similar spot to Lazard and the Jets, like I think Court and Sutton is, is is a very good value if you, especially if you go running back, tight end, quarterback heavy early and you need some good value picks on wide receiver. Um, he will be on on more than a few of my rosters this year for sure. I, I think, you know, and Sutton's the type of guy like I have him on a couple of dynasty leagues. And if somebody would have given me like an early second round rookie pick prior to the the rookie draft, even in in a in a year when I'm not really excited about this draft so much, I probably would have parted ways with Sutton for that pick this year. I never got that offer. I'll ride it out this year and see what happens with Sean Payton. Yeah. But I'm not terribly excited about him right now. And the Marvin Mims thing isn't doing me any favors, too. A little scary. Yeah. Very scary. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But I'm kind of with you. Like, so when you say that you think the Broncos offense bounces back, uh, have you been investing in any? We talked about Samaj P. Ryan at the start of the show. Have you been investing in any Broncos players this year, Jared? Yeah, I think Sutton has been been somebody I've invested in. I've also been in a lot of these best balls. Um, the way I, depending on how I play the tight end position, like, like where it's, where it's falling to me and where I'm drafting and where, what players are falling, uh, Greg Dolchers, who's been somebody that's, that's ended up on the back half of the drafts as a, as some tight end depth. Uh, I did reach a bit on a best ball with Javante Williams going back in a draft I did in January, February. I'm hoping there's some production at least somewhere along the season, but I was able to make a play on him in the sixth, seventh round. Um, outside of that, I do have a couple of dynasties where I've got uh, Russell Wilson still on the roster. So part of me is, is hoping that it's going to be a rebound because of that. Uh, but I don't know that I'd be targeting Russell Wilson or any of those guys in a redraft right now. Um, Dalton Schultz has been kind of a polarizing guy. I was listening to the, the goat district podcast, yeah. um, when they did their live coverage of the Genesis and revelation drafts, or as they call it revelations and, and the, the minor leagues <laughs> for the, for yeah. the Genesis. Yeah. um, but I know those guys are not big, uh, Dalton Schultz guys, uh, this year, he is moving to a worse offense from Dallas to Houston. Yeah. However, the target share you would like to think is, is going to go up. Is he still in for a good 2023 this season? And I'll, I'll tell the viewers right now, too. Dalton Schultz in, in the uh, FFPC Best Ball Tournament has an ADP of tight end 13 at the 903. Right behind, he's been surpassed by Dalton Kincaid. But Dalton, back-to-back Daltons. Wow, that is weird. Um, Dalton Schultz at the 903, tight end 13. Seem like a good spot for him. What, what, are, you, what are you prognosticating for him this year, Jared? Yeah, I, I'm I'm struggling a little bit on, on Dalton Schultz. So I think the upside, one thing you didn't mention that I think will play to his advantage is favorable game scripts. I mean, I think they're <laughs> I don't see the Texans um, milking the clock to get a win uh, many times this season. So um, and I he could be a very good safety valve for what's likely going to be a rookie quarterback that's starting. Um, there's not a lot of passing game weapons outside of Robert Woods. That said, it is a quarterback downgrade uh, coming mm-hmm. off some injuries. It does give me a little bit of fear. Maybe I shouldn't read too much into this, but you know, no other team really made a big push for him in free agency. Right. And he ended up taking a two, three million less on a one-year deal than he was originally offered 
by the Cowboys. And so something just doesn't feel good there. Like, I think there's, there's certainly a case to be made, especially in the tight end premium leagues. I think he's a solid tight end too. Uh, I think I'll have some shares of him because of that, but the majority of the leagues I play in are tight end premium. And so, you know, we then tend to sit there with two, three tight ends on them. Uh, I, I think that's what I see him as. I don't, I think last year he was being drafted as a clear cut top five tight end one. And I think he's, he's definitely in the tight end two, mid to tight, mid to high tight end two territory this year. Just, just a lot of question marks that I'm just not quite comfortable with yet. Yeah, he's going uh, Chig- uh, as far as um, tight ends go. And Joku, Okonkwo, and uh, Kincaid are going yeah. right in front of him. He is comfortably ahead, I would say, about a round and a half plus ahead of Greg Dulcich, um, uh, Cole Komet, and Juwan Johnson. So that's what we're looking at uh, as far as Dalton Schultz and that goes. That tight end drop-off is big. I mean, It's it, huge. It, yeah, it, it just it falls off a cliff after a while. And so in some cases, I think – the ADP for Dalton Schultz might even be inflated because people are having to reach because that, mm-hmm. that, that cliff is coming. And I think it's a bit inflated based on where his real value is. In drafting your teams this year, you know, be it the best ball tournament, fantasy pros, whatever, what's sort of been your approach to tight ends, Jared? Are you trying to get one of like the top three or four and then see what happens after that? Or, or have you been varying it up? Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a mixed bag. It really kind of depends on where I'm, where I'm drafting. Uh, it, it's, it's nice to have it's nice to have one of those top top three or four. I'm not big on on Kelsey necessarily this year, and I'll we can get to more of that and in, mm. in some of the, my fades. But but if you if you're in a position to grab one of those studs, and it's a late first round, early second, like it certainly can be justified. But I think there's enough value when you get down into the Hawkinsons, the Goddards, and things like that, where you don't necessarily need to jump because when you when you build a roster around a tight end, it tends to really leave a lot of holes mm-hmm. at the end. And I think it's, it's something I've struggled with. I think I would say I like to have my, the tight end on my roster within the first five rounds. Um, but it's very rare that I'm doing it in the first or second. Interesting. Yeah. I, I know I was, I was looking at some of my, well, Farrell's KFFSC uh, uh, league where I, I play a bunch of teams in there. I was looking at some of them after the draft and I'm like, okay, this, this is, uh, it's okay for running backs. It's okay for receivers. Ah, uh, this team has, doesn't look all that great. Well, then I realized I took Travis Kelsey in the first round. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. So yeah, that exactly. explains sort of, sort of like why I'm don't, I'm not in love with my backs or receivers is because yeah. I invested in tight end early, which yep. could work out. Yeah. It might not, but I get what you're saying with that. Uh, as far as the drop off goes, and as far as the dangers of drafting a a tight end early. Um, yeah. speaking of tight ends. Everybody has been so, and I was talking, Bradley Stalder was on the um, High Stakes Fantasy uh, football show with me last night on the Better Sports Network, and we're talking about um, uh, rookie tight ends and how everybody's, especially from a dynasty perspective, we're all excited for for Mayer and Kincaid and Laporta and Musgrave and Kraft and, and all of Schoenmaker and all these other guys. But we, we tend to overlook um, some of the tight ends from last year because last year was, was such a horrible tight end class to this year. It's an awesome one. But what about Trey McBride, uh, a guy that is now coming into his second year in the league, started to flash a little bit uh, at the mm-hmm. end of the 2022 season. We don't know exactly know what's going on with the quarterback situation there because of Kyler Murray's injury. But Jared Eisenlor, tight end 24, is Trey McBride right now at the 1408. <laughs> I'm into him at that spot. If I'm trying to win a six-figure grand prize, he is the type of guy that, that could not only have spike weeks but really help you out 
for that low of an ADP. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, very interesting player this year. Um, highly touted coming out of Colorado State. Fairly boring rookie year until the end. He came on strong, coincidentally, after Murray's injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably because McCoy was tall enough to see over the line and hit him down the seam. But um, tight ends well, don't is, typically is something start let, strong let, anyway. Jared, let me bring this up. Is there something to be said for um, Kyler Murray throwing to Zach Ertz, you know, most of the season? And then McCoy working with McBride, who was kind of a backup, right? And and then he was kind of zeroing in on that guy in practice. And then all of a sudden, hey, McBride's playing out there because Ertz is hurt. McCoy's out there because Murray's hurt. And there there might be something to be said for that connection there and and really helped him along. It's a great point. It's a great point. And that that could be the case. I I think the the list of tight ends who have broken out in their second year is is long i mean the, the obvious ones kittle hawkinson you know come mm-hmm. to mind right away like they doubled their production across the board and i think the most similar comp for for trey mcbride from a statistical standpoint was mike gasecki uh, gasecki's rookie stats were eerily similar to mcbride's in his sophomore season it turned into uh 51 catches 550 yards and five touchdowns um I mean, you're, you're not going to break the bank with that, but that's decent production. And I could see a similar stat line for McBride being the floor. And I think it's a very respectable tight end too. Mm-hmm. Um, the quarterback play is going to be questionable. Hopkins's future in Arizona certainly is in doubt. Um, there's likely another situation where you're going to have very favorable game scripts throughout the season in a pretty high-flying division, no, no less. And so I, I'm fairly high uh, on Trey McBride. He'll be uh, – I'll have quite a few shares. It'll be well owned for my teams for sure. Yeah, just going way too low. I mean, I mean, yeah. you look at some of the. I, I, I'll just list off a few of the tight ends that are going ahead of Trey McBride. You have Dawson Knox, who obviously he, he was neutered a little bit by by Dalton yeah. Kincaid. Yeah. Mike Gesicki is going ahead of him. Um, Michael Mayer, Gerald Everett, Irv Smith, Juwan Johnson. I mean, all those guys um, are, are going ahead of of Trey McBride, and some of them significantly further ahead and you could get a guy like McBride late. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. We don't often talk quarterbacks on this show, Jared, but I'm going to ask you a quarterback question now, just to kind of get your feel on how well the, the wisdom of the crowd is dialed into this. According to the fantasy Mojo ADP for the FFPC best ball tournament over the last week, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen hurts, Lamar Jackson are the top four quarterbacks off the board. And then it's Joe Burrow at quarterback five at the 403. When you're drafting quarterbacks, and maybe you can get into your philosophy of drafting quarterbacks when you mm-hmm. only have to start one in a non-super flex league, um, your philosophy of drafting quarterbacks, and is Joe Burrow as the QB five correct? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I don't. I think I would draft Hurts and I'd draft Mahomes over Burrow, and I think that's the list. I think it goes to Burrow from there. I, no, I, just, just real quick, let, let me interrupt you. Sure. Why is why is it Burrow ahead of Allen, and why is it Burrow ahead of Lamar Jackson for you? Yeah, I think the, the philosophy in drafting quarterbacks has changed uh, quite a bit as like the mobile quarterback is coming. You're getting like half quarterback, half running back, mm-hmm. and so the value of of those like a Jalen Hurts and then a Lamar Jackson, if if you're comfortable with the style and the offense and in the 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 injury history. Um, there's certainly a very, very high ceiling that you can have with those quarterbacks. I think when I look at, and when I look at Burrow, his, his weapons are returning. 
Um, there are, there's big question marks in the Cincinnati running game too. I mean, I, I there's, they've lost P Ryan. There's questions around Joe Mixon. I, the offense is really going to live and die with Joe Burrow. Uh, I like the addition of Irv Smith as well at tight end. I think that's a nice addition for, for Cincinnati. Uh, and that man's, he's about to get paid. <laughs> I mean, I curious to see what this contract's going to be like when it comes to Joe Burrow. You know, I, I would put him and Josh Allen very close. Um, for me personally, I'm going to wait. You're having to pay a lot higher premium for Josh Allen. I'd rather wait around or two and get it and get a Joe Burrow who I feel is going to be from a consistency standpoint, um, just as solid as Josh Allen. That's my personal preference uh, from a quarterback standpoint. It's one that before the running quarterback who could put up 45 points a game on any given week, I was a big proponent of, of waiting wait uh, getting in that sixth, seventh, eighth, sometimes the 10th, 11th round uh, for my quarterbacks. I think if you're not in a position to get one of those, one, one of those top, two to three, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. Cause when you, when you think about it and you start to, to peel it back, like when you get down into some of those, those mid tier quarterbacks, the difference isn't that great. It just isn't. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I have targeted Hertz uh, a few times and that's left me similar to what the, you know, when you draft your tight ends early, you, you just feel like there's holes everywhere else, but you know what you're getting with Hertz. He's, he's a solid week over week his injury his history is quite minor he had a couple of hiccups last year he's a tough guy um and he can throw and run like he can e equally do both and i think those are the kind of guys that i want who can put up those 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 40 50 point games but you know you're going to get 25 and i uh important to me I, and and it, the, the offense should be elite again this yeah. year you, you know yeah. like there's there's just so much you know that we talk about the bengal's offense oh you know you look at this um uh, Jamar Chase is going as wide receiver two right now at the 103 on average. T. Higgins, wide receiver 14 at the 306. I mean, obviously, they still have Tyler Boyd there. The offensive line is improved. Mixon, uh, it, it we think is still going to be there. We'll, we'll find out. But if he's not, Chase Brown is going to be capable as well to handle a significant uh, portion of the workload. And then you have, um, uh, I already mentioned Higgins. So, so it's like all these weapons here. It's a great offense. Why not take Joe Burrow a little bit higher? Yeah. I think there's a lot to like uh, about yeah, that. I, and you can't fault somebody on Josh Allen there either. Uh, I right. just, personally, I would rather. It's a personal opinion, personal I, preference. I'd rather have Burrow in the fifth than Josh Allen in the third. For yep. Totally get it. Totally get it. Um, I want to get some listener emails. And Jared, I handpicked these tonight because okay. we have we have hardly talked any Lions football yet. We're going to talk. Oh, good. Nice. Football. I like yes. it. Like Rocky it. in Morristown, New Jersey. Who's the better value in the Detroit backfield, Jameer Gibbs or David Montgomery? Now, uh, I will tell everybody this: as far as uh, the the value, or as far as the ADP goes for these players, Jameer Gibbs is going off the board as running back twelve at the three oh seven. David Montgomery running back twenty six at the six twelve. Uh, I don't think you'd want both of these players on your best ball team, um, Jared, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I'm assuming that if you'd only have one, is it Gibbs or is it Montgomery? Yeah, I, I'd probably, I'd probably take, I'd probably take Gibbs at the end of the third. 
is probably where I would where I would go because think, because he's a potential league winner and and just is the more explosive correct. player. Okay. Yeah, and it kind of depends on the league you're in. Like when you're going for these best balls or you're going for these these big tournaments, you can't just fall in line. You can't just say you can't take the conservative path. And I think you know what you're going to get with Montgomery. I think he could he could score a lot of touchdowns. I look at Jamal Williams last year. This is a mm-hmm. great offensive line for the Lions. But you also get a lot more in the passing game. And uh, I think Jared Goff has played admirably, but he's not known to go down the field a whole lot. So when you get somebody, a weapon like Jamar Gibbs coming out of the coming out of the coming out of the backfield, I think you get a lot of uh, PPR opportunities there too. And so I would I would I would lend to say Jamar Gibbs or Jameer Gibbs rather in the third would be my preference. Uh, let's go to the uh, to the YouTube uh, chat right now. Question from Easy Morning Rebel: What's it like being a co-manager? With Matt Stoken, I believe I'm yeah. pronouncing it right. LOL. What can you tell us about Matt yeah. Stoken and being a co-manager with him, Jared? Yeah, I've had to do that before. I think this is an inside <laughs> joke. I think we've got some people watching, but uh, yeah, I remember the first time I took Matt Stoken out to, to to with our group out to Vegas and had a draft. Uh, it was his first FFPC draft, and we did it together. And I wanted another one to sit in on anyway. I think it was the COVID year actually. I remember being at Caesar's Palace instead of Planet Hollywood. Okay, and uh, I, uh, Matt and I's friendship was was tested uh, quite <laughs> a bit when when uh, when he was um, going after Marlon Mack, I think, in the fourth round, and I, I just I said, "You can't do it. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that." And I think Sammy Watkins was also uh, in the mix there, and so I think there was there was some tense moments uh, for us during that draft, and that was the first and the last time I ever agreed to. So to, the uh, co on a team with co managed team with so the team exactly. did not fare well that season. Uh, it was abysmal. Yeah, it was abysmal. Yeah. I don't. I, I'd be surprised <laughs> if they won a game. Um, it, I just I couldn't have my name attached to that. I just said you're on your own, man. You're on your own. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> um, let's go to uh, yeah. Don in Luverne, Minnesota. Hi, Jared. At what point in my fantasy pros draft should I start looking at Jamison Williams? Thanks. That is Don in Luverne, Minnesota. We've been using um, FFPC Best Ball ADP for the course of the program tonight. I will bring this up for fantasy pros for Don here. Jamison Williams, Jared, wide receiver 48 at the 9-12. Should he be looking at Jamison Williams earlier than the late ninth round? Your thoughts on Williams? No, uh, I, I not earlier. I, I think there's a point where you say, hey, let's take a shot. But even before his suspension, and I, I'm as big a Lions fan as there is on this earth, and I, I just I don't get the vibes. I don't like the vibes I'm getting uh, on what's going on with him this year. Uh, he wasn't particularly impressive when he came back from his injury at the end of the year last year. A um, couple of big drops, body language. Uh, and there's some hints from, from Holmes and Campbell even that you know, they're just not thrilled with his work ethic right now. I think the suspension right. – only serves as another strike against him. And I think he's, he's on a pretty thin line. I, I don't have any insider information to say that. I just kind of what, what I'm reading and, yeah. and following this team so closely. So I, there's no one I hope I'm, I'm more wrong on than Jamison Williams because he would be a dynamic addition to our offense. Uh, I'm just candidly not touching him in redraft best ball dynasty this year, unless he were to completely fall into the back quarter of the draft. I it just, it's not something I'm happy to be wrong. I'm happy to be wrong. I just, I'm just not, it's not on my team. 
Um, yeah. Jared, if you can't tell, we, technical difficulties are pre uh, preventing Farrell from rejoining us tonight. So it's no just problem. you and me the rest of the That's way. Good. I figured you'd be cool with this. Yeah. Last time I saw you, you didn't even have a beard. Like it's no, no. no. Like, yeah, it's it's. Yeah, well, it's the good. next time you see me, I probably will not have a beard, and that'd be my <laughs> guess. There's a non-zero chance of anything, nice. but we'll see what happens. I want to get into a couple of things I wanted to get to in the first segment of the show tonight. We didn't get a chance to because Farrell and I were blabbing too much. But I want to talk Jordan Addison here. He is now under contract with the Minnesota Vikings. Obviously, he was awesome at Pitt as a, as a freshman in college. 1,593 yards, 17 touchdowns in 2021 with Kenny Pickett throwing to him. Then he gets Caleb Williams uh, throwing to him last year. Caleb Williams, who won the Heisman Trophy last year. His numbers took a hit. My question to you, and this is a, a guy I've, I've kind of, you know, for better or worse, stayed away from in my rookie drafts because I just don't know what the upside is um, when he's playing opposite Justin Jefferson. I know there's a couple of different ways to look at it. Yep. You can, you can look at it like, oh, Jefferson's going to – all the coverage is going to roll to him and Addison's going to have this single coverage and he's going to be able to destroy who's ever covering him. I'm looking at more to the standpoint like the Vikings aren't stupid. They're going to pepper Justin Jefferson as much as they possibly can and Addison will not get a high target volume. I am more on that side uh, than anything else. Your thoughts on Jordan Addison as wide receiver 39 at the 802 in fantasy pros drafts. Well, you got Hawkinson too. And Hawkinson. That's a great point. Yeah, you yep. got Hawkinson too. And so there's a lot of mouths to feed there. Um, it, you know, I, it, I tend to, I tend to be more in the camp that you're in and, and, and there's just there's not a Justin Jefferson is just not somebody that really can be stopped. Uh, I mean, if if he could be easily stopped, they would have stopped him already. And so, un unless you're going to be rolling three people over to him, like it, two hasn't really been enough. Um, surprisingly, the the team that did do a good job of, with it last year were my Lions, and you know I think it was week two, and it was it was an anomaly because they had two catches for twenty yards or something like that, and we were the worst defense in the league. So I think Justin Jefferson is, is really hard to go against. Now, KJ Osborne did a good job in that role uh, last year too when Thielen was was hurt. Um, but even when Thielen came through, it kind of depends on where Jordan Addison's going to slot in. I mean, if he's going to play that Thielen role, and I think you've got a lot of crosses over the middle, you've got a lot of shorter passes that that could be sort of the underneath guy. Uh, so I'd be curious to see how they use him. But I think. I, I do think your floor is pretty high with Jordan Addison. I think it's going to be some, uh, you know, at least some consistent production, but I, I don't see him as a, like what you called with Jameer Gibbs, like a potential league winner. I just don't see that with him. Right. It, that's, that's, a great, my, that's my opinion. You know, that that's a, that's a great point. And, and I, I think it's a great point because I agree with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like right. We're in our own yeah. echo chamber here. That's good. With each hey, no, hey. The thing that like, the thing is like when, when you're, and, and I don't want to make, you know, you've drafted a ton of these best ball drafts too, Jared, where, where you're you're trying to find these guys that can really give you these spike weeks that can outperform their ADP. Yep. And I just I don't necessarily see it. And and I'll give you the the FFPC best ball ADP right now for, for Jordan Anderson. I don't I think there's better ways to spend a draft pick in the mid eighth round, which is where he's going. Uh Jordan Addison, wide receiver 39. Look no further than guy right above him in, in James Cook. Uh, a guy that, yeah, maybe he's nothing in Buffalo this year. Maybe he's huge. You know, you, mm -hmm. you never know. Kadarius Tony going two spots ahead of Jordan Addison. I could definitely see Kadarius Tony uh, getting a top 10 wide receiver season 
much more so than Jordan Addison. So th- like these, these are, yeah. you know, that, and that's the thing. It's like, you want to look for these guys with these, these, the spike weeks and the high ceiling. And then I think there's better ways to utilize, at least for a best ball tournament, better ways to utilize a mid eighth round pick. Okay. Um, one other thing I wanted to get to before I want to get, uh, before you tell us targets and fades here, uh, the Kokomo Tribune's George Bremer, uh, who has been out watching Colts practice said that the coaches for Indianapolis have been pretty impressed by Anthony Richardson's pocket awareness. Uh, quote, Richardson's not quite as raw as he's sometimes been portrayed. He showed off some of his high-level playmaking ability even during the brief rookie minicamp. Now, legendary upsides Pat Corain said that uh, last year his sack rate for Quentin, uh, uh, Quentin Richardson. Jesus, I'm losing it. That's like <laughs> basketball 25 years ago. For Anthony Richardson, his sack rate under pressure was lower than any quarterback dating all the way back to 2015. Now, they're in shorts. They're not wearing pads. Obviously, it is fluff piece season. That said, he's wide receiver 12 in the FFPC best ball tournament right now. Um, we think he's going to start week one. And this is a guy that, you know, you look back to where this guy was being talked about in February. He's a project. He's not going to be ready. Not so fast, my friend. It seems like he is ready. He is going to be playing. And this is a guy that that has, you know, speaking of legendary upside, a guy who never tested uh, or a guy who no one has tested as good as him at the NFL combine. The upside is huge here. Your thoughts on investing uh, into Anthony Richardson this year in the FFPC best ball tournament uh, at the eight eleven as quarterback 12, Jared. Yeah. I, I hadn't, I didn't really watch him play much at Florida. Uh, mm-hmm. The first time I saw him was, was when he was at the combine. It, just, it, it was amazing at the size <laughs> of this guy. Like in his athleticism, like it's just, it's incredible. Um, I think I have a bit of bias on, on situations like this. Cause I, I go back to one of the, one of the live drafts I did in Vegas. I remember sitting there uh, at, I drafted in the two spot. And so we're coming back and maybe the, probably the 10th round. And I was, you know, at, at 10, 11, and I was going to pick again at 11 at 11 two. And there was, there was a quarterback there that I said, he'll fall to me at 11 too. His name was Patrick Mahomes, and he was getting ready to, to start for the first time. Right. And I said, he'll fall back to me. And uh, and he didn't. Uh-huh. And I watched Pat Mahomes that whole year just tear up the league. And I, I think uh, that would have been a very profitable year for me if I could have gotten if I could have gotten Pat Mahomes. And so part of me is is that 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 FOMO of somebody like Anthony Richardson. The only thing that scares me when I look at it though, is just the weaponry Pittman. um, It's a running, it's a running back heavy offense, a decent offensive line. Uh, When you look at um, uh, the coach there now, is it, is it um, Shane Steichen? Yep. From, from Philly. You know, if he, if he, if he deploys him, like he did Jalen hurts, uh, he could be he could be a dangerous man. Um, I don't have him right now as a QB one anywhere. Uh, I've got him as a backup in that. I, I think more than the ninth and the tenth. Maybe it was the eighth. I can't remember. But it's it's he he could be a league winner. It's very rare that a rookie quarterback turns into that, but he's one of those guys. Like it, it's got Cam Newton in his prime written all over it. He's big. He can run. If he can throw, and he's got the pocket awareness. Um, the, which one of the, one of the listeners here is saying that he's, that they're, they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I could, I could see myself, um, trying to make sure I've got a, a healthy stock in, in Richardson. 
You know what's interesting too is like, and and, and I, I I fall in this trap too. Like, oh God, I don't want to invest a um, I don't want to invest a um, um, uh, um, a pick that that he is going to be my starting quarterback because he's he's being drafted as a starting quarterback right now. Um, but like I could like if I decided to do that, get Richardson at the end of the eighth round. It's not like he has to be my only quarterback. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. Smith, Aaron Rodgers, Wilson, Goff, Tunga Bailoa. Daniel Jones, I mean, oh, Jordan Love, Derek Carr, all those yeah. guys are going below him. So, like, you could pair him up, uh, and if it doesn't work out for him, uh, then at least you know you you have these these other quarterbacks that you could go with. Um, so, I think there is, and and that helps you know accentuate the upside because if he is big, you have that cushion in case he's not big, and and it's just it's going to be unbelievable it, it, if, if I, he does come. Yeah, and I think that's the best practice for any rookie quarterback. That yeah. We, you just don't know, you know, until you know, until you get punched in the mouth or taken to the ground, like how you know what, what these quarterbacks are. And so, if you're going to go on one of those high upside guys, like you know, somebody like a like a Derek Carr, you know, it's a great person to kind of pair him with because you know you at least have a capable quarterback um, with good weapons that could that can carry you, especially in a best ball. I want to get. I, I want to get. Um because we're wrapping up things right now and I have not. And, and Farrell normally um, asks this question, uh, but I'm going to ask that, it tonight. A player that you are fading early in drafts. I believe we'll talk, get into Travis Kelsey here a little bit um, as well as uh, a player that maybe you've targeted and doesn't have to be targeted early in the round in, in the right. early rounds it could be a, a mid or a late round player, but a player that you're trying to target and get on as many teams as you can. Yeah, I, as far as starting with the fades, I, I said it last year, and I love to regret it. Um, I can't really go back on it now, and I'm, so I'm just going to kind of stay with the same guy. Uh, I think Travis Kelsey, he's going to be 34 during the season, uh, and his age has to catch up to him. And I, I just, I'd rather get out too early than get out too late. I guess kind of where I'm at with him. Uh, I still see him getting drafted in the first round, and I, I just, I'm just not there. Um, mm -hmm. I'll be surprised if I end up with anything of Travis Kelsey this year, just based on where he's getting drafted. Um, and I may come back and regret that again next year because he, he goes for, for 80, 1,200 and 10 touchdowns again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, as far as people I'm targeting, I think early on thinking third, fourth, I'm all in on JK Dobbins. Uh, I think assuming he stays healthy and all signs point to, to, he will be. Um, the Ravens' new offense um, historically has shown um, that they utilize running backs out of the backfield. I'm trying to get him in the third round wherever I can. Um, other obvious targets for me are Amon Ross St. Brown. I, I think oh, I see him going at the turn, the one-two turn a little bit right now. I think that's probably a little too high for me. Um, even as a Lions fan, I'd like to see him maybe mid-second. He's just not falling there much anymore, but he's somebody I would love to have shares on. And I do have him in some dynasty leagues. And when I look a little later in the draft, I am high on both Mike Gusecki uh, and, and Juju Smith-Schuster, probably more mm. so than, more so than, than a lot of people uh, just relative to their ADPs, uh, mind you. Uh, Bill O'Brien coming back to the Patriots, he, a mildly competent offensive coordinator. <laughs> You don't have Matt Patricia running the show. Right. Um, and previously when he was there, there was a lot of success with other tight ends and slot receivers like Gronk and Welker and Edelman. Um, I, I Like I'm not expecting him to, to be the MVPs of the league, but I think if you're looking for some mid-late round guys, like I think those there's some, some 
good floors with some decent upside potential with with uh, Juju and uh, Mike Gusecki. And uh, if I'm looking at the last half too, Rashid, Rish, um, Rashid, Rashid Shahid. Shahid. Yeah, I, especially in the best balls, I think he's kind of a sneaky sleeper for me. Uh, I, I'm a little worried about Derek Carr's ability to throw the deep ball. He's actually, I think I was looking and, and saw he was 10% less accurate than any Dalton was on the deep ball last year, but he can flat out fly and Carr over Dalton is an upgrade overall. And I think he can be particularly valuable in the best ball format. Is he's, he's a threat to score a deep one every week? Uh, a guy who is a threat to score a seven-figure grand prize this year in the Fantasy Pro Championship <laughs> as well as the FFPC main event. You follow him on Twitter at JaredE22. I lied. This will be my last question. Um, who wins the NFC North this year, and how far into the playoffs do the Detroit Lions get, Jared? Yeah. Um, the Lions will win the North. Uh, we're going to have the first playoff game in the history of Ford Field this year. We're going to win our first playoff game since, All right. 19, since 1992. Here we go. Uh, I'm not going to say we're going to go to the Super Bowl, but I do think we take a couple of big steps. I think we win the division. We host a playoff game, and I think we win a playoff game this year. Good now, on you. That's going to be exciting for the NFL. The goal too. is to get to a point where that's not something that we're like super enthusiastic. <laughs> like That's right. not the, the end goal, but I think for right. this year, the step we need to take, I think we have to get that under our belt. It's it's going to be a fun season uh, for it the is. Lions. 111 if, days away. If only we could get <laughs> and and like we had them on Hard Knocks last year. Boy, yeah. it would be so entertaining if we get them on Hard Knocks again. They were I like would, Dan Campbell is like it. made for that show. I'd love it. Uh, yeah, we'll yeah. find out what happens. I know it won't be the Lions, but it'll be somebody else. Uh, but it could be Jared Eisenlor winning a million dollars in the Fantasy Pro Championship so. or the yeah. FFPC main event. Follow him on Twitter at Jared E22. Jared. Thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight, talking bet, a little man. fantasy football. Appreciate it. Be good. We'll talk with you again soon, man. Good to see you, man. All right. Absolutely. Thanks, Jared. Jared Eisenlor, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, 10-time FFPC league winner in the uh, Fantasy Pros, the Mid-Stakes, the FFPC main event, and, of course, uh, Dynasty Leagues as well. Jared E22 on Twitter. I want to thank him, Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Rice, and, of course, each and every one of you for hanging out and watching tonight. We will be back next Friday at 10-9 Central with nine-time FFPC league winner Frank Shinnick. He will be uh, popping aboard to talk about his early drafts, um, sort of the lay of the land, what what is standing out to him in drafts this year, and much more. A guy who's been playing, God, I think this is probably his 10th year playing high-stakes fantasy football. See, he will have a lot of wisdom to share. In case you missed last night's high-stakes fantasy football show on the Better Sports Network, you can go back and watch it on the FFPC YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter channels. I uh, was yours truly and best bell fantasies, Bradley Stalder, chopping it up two full hours of nothing but fantasy goodness. Great stuff there from Bradley. Really appreciated him popping on uh, next Thursday at seven, six central on the high stakes fantasy football show on the better sports network, which you can watch on all the FFPC social media channels and better sports.com uh, dynasty league footballs. Ryan McDowell will co-host with me uh, for two hours. That's going to be a lot of fun for anybody who's, you know, trying to figure out what happened in their rookie draft, what to do after the rookie draft, um, the steps you need to take to building a dynasty juggernaut from now until the start of the uh, season. Ryan McDowell will be here to answer all your questions. Register by June 1st in the Fantasy Pros Championship as you try to win a million bucks. Uh, if you do that and draft before June 15th, you get a free FFPC league credit into your account for $35. You can get that up to three times. That's well over $100 worth 
of free FFPC teams. Uh, you can win a million bucks in the FFPC main event. Make sure you are registering by the end of the month so you can get in. Not only can you save 100 bucks off your first team, but you will also be entered into the FFPC Pros versus Joe's drawing that will happen uh, sometime, I believe, the weekend after the early bird. So like um, June 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, sometime around there, we'll have the drawing and we'll announce uh, who the Joes are right here live on these airwaves on a special Wednesday night show uh, that week. I got to check my calendar here. It will be, we will announce them on Wednesday. Uh, no. Yeah, I think Wednesday. Is it, I think it's June 7th we're doing that. No, June 9th. June 9th, we'll announce it. Jesus. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm all discombobulated tonight, but I think June 9th. I don't quote me on that, but I think we'll reveal them on this show uh, on June 9th, who the Joes are going to be uh, participating in uh, trying to dethrone, not dethrone because the Joes are the champs right now, but to take out these pros en route to winning a free FFPC main event entry for 2024. So myffpc.com is where to register for the main event so you get entered into that drawing. You can also win $200,000 in the FFPC best ball tournament, just 125 bucks to join there. You get a lot of good info from Jared Eisenlord tonight on what players you should be targeting and fading and that uh, to try to win 200 grand. And if you want to play in the Superflex best ball tournament, it's only 35 bucks to join. You can win $50,000 grand prize. That's at myffpc.com. Plenty of dynasty leagues are going off tomorrow. Make sure you're registering for those. They start at $100. They go all the way up to $5,000 if you want to play fantasy football year-round. That is the place to go, myffpc.com. And, of course, uh, the Fantasy Pros uh, Tournament, a Fantasy Pros Championship, beg your pardon. I am commissioning the Midnight Draft tonight, which Dizzle told me is already filled, but there is a 12.30 a.m. draft. If you want to jump in that, I'll be commissioning that as well. Uh, so feel free to register at myffpc.com. We'll hang out, um, and uh, you can try to win a million bucks tonight. Nothing wrong with that. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment on this video, and share it. Uh, get notified anytime we go live on the FFPC YouTube channel, which will be Thursday at 7, 6 Central with myself and Ryan McDowell on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show. I appreciate each and every one of you for watching tonight. Um, thanks uh, so much. Or if even if you're downloading this, streaming it later, I appreciate that as well. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. Say this too, um, I was telling this earlier in the show, um, I was at Lambeau field today and it was my second time I got to go on field level. I was, I was at field level for a Packers Seahawks playoff game. I think about four years ago. And they say, don't touch the grass. What was the first thing I did during that playoff game? Touch the edge of the grass, got yelled at by the uh, Packers security and, uh, the Packers tour guide that we had today told all the kids, all the parents, um, whatever you do, do not touch the grass. We don't want you touching the grass. No less than a dozen people went out and touched the grass. That's just the way we behave in Northeast Wisconsin. Um, that was kind of funny. Also, ironically enough, when I was uh, at Lambeau Field, they had the NFL Network on, and I happened to see that uh, Jim Brown passed away today at, at 87 years old, a guy that 
we just don't have enough time to talk about the, the impact that he's had on the NFL, social activism, and uh, of course, the, what he did in Hollywood a, as an actor um, was in a ton of great movies. Any Given Sunday, Dirty Dozen, the list goes on and on. Uh, but a guy who is truly one of the greats, one of the um, pioneers for the players in the NFL, one of the pioneers for a lot of stuff, um, sociologically speaking, too, and as far as how our culture has evolved today from, from when it was when he was at the peak of his powers, um, playing in the NFL, just a short nine-year career. I think Barry Sanders quit after nine years, retired. Um, but, yeah, Jim Brown will be missed. Uh, really sad news to see him go today. Uh, so I definitely wanted to give a shout-out to him. Uh, HSFFO or FFPC, all the FFPC players, the community, thoughts and prayers with the Brown family. RIP Jim Brown, and we will see you again soon. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. Certainly appreciate it. I'll be back on Thursday for the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show, and, of course, Friday for the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour.